everybody happy? I happy. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Fried Squirms. We sure hope you'll end up being happy. We're here to get stoned talk about horror movies. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And this week we're going to be talking about Stitches from noted comedian Ross Noble. <laughs> yeah. But before we get there, as we always do, it's the beginning of the episode. We're all about getting high and talking about horror movies. Let's get to our green hits. Danny, what's this wonderful J that I'm smoking on? All right, so it's no stranger to the podcast. This strain is Crockett's Haze. I did pick it up at local dispensary Flower. And this one, even though it does have some unknown genetics, I did find a little bit of information on Leafly and WikiLeaf. And, you know, if you want to go according to them, Crockett's Haze is a hybrid. It's a sativa hybrid. But it is bred by Crockett Farms and DNA Genetics. The Crockett's Haze is a sativa-dominant hybrid, which I just mentioned. It's a cross of an old haze and a strain called the Ranger. Now, I was looking at some information on the Ranger, and it looks like it was either an indica-dominant, depending on who bred it, or a sativa-dominant, depending on who bred it. But it says with that, the flavor and smell of Crockett's Haze holds onto the traditional incense flavor of haze with slight citrus and tropical notes. So expect energizing effects that pair well with music and hikes. Now, the THC over at Flower comes in at 22.5%. Oh, yeah. So I also went to Flower, and I was like, which of these is Danny going to pick up? I got to try to choose something different. And I can't remember what I thought you were going to pick up. I didn't think you were going to pick up the Crockett's Haze. But I didn't think that you were going to pick up the Garden City Kush. So that's what I brought you. So, Garden City Kush, we're in Missoula. One of the monikers for Missoula is the Garden City. If you look information up on Garden City Kush, you ain't going to find shit. Because I'm pretty sure they just took one of their Kush plants and made their own phenotype. Especially because I know that they've been playing with Kush lately, because their latest strain that I picked up today is a Kush Mint. Which is fucking dope, by the way. Which... Look, we usually go to Flower because their shit tends to be quality, even when it's, like, lower THC content. Yeah, yeah. Tends to get us ripped, right? Damn. So I'm looking at 34.58%. From Flower? That's crazy. That's, yeah, that's bud. Dude, that shit's fucking fire. It got me toe up Psychedelic. Anyway, so because I don't have any information on what Garden City Kush is, I thought I would at least say what OG Kush is. I don't know if that's the Kush that they're basing their phenotype off of, but old school OG Kush was first cultivated in the early 90s. It's a California strain supposedly crossed with Chemdog, Lemon Thai, and Hindu Kush. Kind of a mixed head body effect. It's kind of a complex terpene profile that's all across the board. A lot of lemon, a lot of pine, a lot of skunk. I like all of them above. Although it's enough skunk that you really don't get the lemon or pine notes, in my opinion. But That's okay. But yeah, I guess that's it. Enjoy it. I'll enjoy... Uh, did I enjoy one myself? I think... When did I pick it up? <laughs> I might have enjoyed one myself already. I don't remember. I smoke a lot of weed. I guess with all that... And while we're still at the beginning of our show, remember we do have a Patreon now. Go check that out, www.patreon.com slash fried squirms. You could have listened to this last week. We tell you guys, like, lowest level, you get shit a week early. Highest level, you can fucking talk to us, bro. We like chatting. Here we are. We'd like to chat live with you. 
Get a baller ass sticker. Yeah, exactly. Do all that fun stuff. Go check it out. Even if you don't want to sign up, there's a poll there to let us know what would get you to sign up. And with that, let's get into the guts and bolts of Stitches. Guts and bolts. All right, guts and bolts for Stitches. The who and what went into the making of this. Start off with your spoiler-free setup for the movie. Years after a terrible accident occurred at young Tommy's birthday party, he decides to have another one, and a certain clown shows back up. Dun-dun-dun. I like it. Yeah, so from week to week, we do like talking about the cast and crew, and this week we have a gentleman of all kinds of titles, including one half of the writing team and one half of the editing team. And he is our director, Connor McMahon. And a few things of note outside of Stitches are the films Dead Meat, the film From the Dark, and it looks like the upcoming Let the Wrong One In. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So I did mention he is one half of the writing team. And along with that, he has a partner, David O'Brien. And our cinematographer is Patrick Jordan. He's known for the films Date Time, the film The Young Offenders, and the film Detainment. Now, I also mentioned that Connor McMahon is one of the editors. Now, here's another gentleman we've actually talked about before. This gentleman is Chris Gill, and we talked about him way back on episode 154 when we talked about 28 Days Later. I'm like, wow, I can't believe he's on this film. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah, so for those who don't know, just other films to his name— some of those films include 28 Weeks Later. He's also responsible for the films The Invention of Lying. You might have seen his work on the film Centurion, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. I mean, that's a pretty well-known film. Ooh. Yeah, he's also known for the films The Cured, the film Killers Anonymous. He's got several upcoming films, like more recently things like uh, Stardust and Knuckle Dust. So he's got some pretty cool films to date. All right, we have music composed by Paul McDonnell. He's known for the films The Making of a Prodigy, the segment Invisible State for the film Visions of Europe, and 48 Angels. The special effects team was Bozy Workshop. This was produced by Julianne Ford, Brendan McCarthy, John McDonald, and Ruth Treacy. Production companies were Fantastic Films, Tailored Films, and Solid Entertainment. The distributor was Signature Entertainment for the 2012 United Kingdom theatrical release. And Dark Sky Films out with the United States DVD and Blu-ray release back in 2013. We had release dates on May 19th, 2012 in France at the Cannes Film Festival. And October 26th, 2012 throughout the United Kingdom. Had an estimated budget of about $1.5 million and it grossed a little over 91000 I know we've talked about this several times now, but it was in select theaters, so keep that in mind. And it does have a tagline, a little bit on the nose... You'll die laughing. Eh. I thought I saw another one that was simply bad clown. I mean, that makes sense, too. <laughs> All right, so getting into our cast, I'm going to lead off, even though if you're following the wiki page, I'm going to go a little bit different from that. So I'm actually going to lead off with our clown, and that is played by Ross Noble. He plays Richard Stitches, Grindle. Now, I read something or even heard something that his name is kind of a play on a, I think, a one-armed fugitive, Richard Grimble. 
Oh. I think from The Fugitive. I think that's oh, okay. something like that. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to a podcast and they were mentioning that. I was like, all right, a little bit of a spoiler here. There's a lot of homages if you're picking up on them in this film, like some Easter eggs, which I'll bring up in the next section. This, I think, is just being one of them. All right, anyhow, Ross Noble, he is a well-known comedian, made lots of appearances all over the United Kingdom. I mean, he's worked with uh, such guys as Johnny Vaughn and Jonathan Ross on Friday Night with Jonathan Ross. I mean, just a, a few things of note there. Going into his filmography, though, just as far as his film appearances, he was in 2017's film Nails and also 2017's film The Circle. And for those who know, The Wishmas Tree from 2019. All right. We have Tommy Knight plays a role, go figure, of Tommy. A few things of note from him. Some people might know him because of his appearance as Luke Smith in the Sarah Jane Adventures. And I also read that he's like one of only a handful of characters that reprises a role from that series, I believe, in Doctor Who. Yeah, so Sarah Jane's a big character for Doctor Who. Sarah Jane was Tom Baker's companion. And Tom Baker, generally being regarded as the best doctor, his companion's a big deal. I believe Sarah Jane was played by Elizabeth Sladen. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was no, he was slated to come back until her untimely death. She unfortunately yeah. passed. They did do at least a season of the Sarah Jane Adventures. I've never seen it. I don't know quite how well it did overall. Like I said, she ended up passing, unfortunately, anyway. So yeah, even if it did well, you can't have the Sarah Jane Adventures without, without Sarah Jane, the OG. Yeah. But there is a couple episodes that kind of cross over, like the Stolen Earth, I know, is one of them. I can't remember the name of the uh, others. The other two that I see here are Journey's End and yeah. The End of Time Part 2. So he does show up in those episodes pretty briefly, but he's in there. I, I recognized him from it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, just a few other things of note from Tommy Knight is the television series Casualty. He was also in such things as The Hippopotamus from 2017, Victoria from 2016 through 19, and it looks like he's currently filming Last Village on the right. All right, we have Gemma Lee Devereaux. She plays a role of Kate, and she is known for such things as the film Come Down, the film Judy, where she actually played Judy Garland, which mm. is really neat, yeah. She was also in the film Broken Law. She was also part of the television series Casualty from 2013 and the television series The Two Doors from 2010. All right, we have Shane Murray Corcoran. He plays the role of Vinny, which is, I suppose you could call Tommy's best friend, perhaps. Yeah. All right, he's known for being in the film, I can't believe I'm bringing this up, Angela's Ashes. Oh, shit. No, it's a weird film to be bringing up on this podcast. <laughs> for this episode. Yeah, but I'm like, it's really good film. I know I've brought it up before, but... Sometimes it finds its way here in the most odd places. But anyway, he was also in the film King Arthur and the film Twice Shy. All right, we have Thomas Kane Byrne. He plays the role of Bolger. He's known for being in the Darkland television series from 2019. He was also part of Dead Still, the television series from 2020, and the film Deadly Cuts. All right, I have a few other people, and then I'll round out our cast. I have Owen McQuinn. He plays the role of Richie. This is really his only film of note. We have Rasheen Barron. She plays the role of Sarah. Once again, just her only film of note. We have Hugh Mulhern. He plays the role of Paul. Once again, his only film of note. 
We have John McDonnell. He plays one of the Motley. He's actually the lead Motley, I suppose you can call him that. Okay. Okay, so I did mention to you that John McDonald's known mostly as a producer. He hasn't really been in a lot of things as far as acting goes, but I did want to mention a few things, right? I did mention there was a segment that one of the guys did for Visions of Europe. He helped produce that, which makes sense. But some actually some interesting things. He helped with Vivarium from 2019. He helped with the film Monster from 2019. He's also responsible for You Are Not My Mother, which is currently completed, the upcoming Whale, and A Patriot upcoming as well. So some pretty cool things there. He was a production manager apparently too on The Last Days on Mars, and he was a production manager on The Devil's Own, which is a pretty good film. I don't know if you've ever mm. seen that. Brad yeah, Pitt. I never did. Um, yeah. Harrison Ford. All right, we have Tommy Cullen plays the role of Dan. Really only film note here. I think he's a director, believe it or not. He does oh. documentaries, which is actually really neat. I think a lot of these people who I mentioned that like this is the really only film of note, it's because they've gone on to do other side Things, of film. Yeah. yeah. All right, we have Lorna Dempsey. She plays the role of Mary. She's the girl that kind of hooks up with Vinny later on in the film. All right, she was in the film Situations Vacant and the short film Lime. And last but not least, I have Gemma Curran. She plays the role of Jenny. She is uh, kind of the heavier set girl mm -hmm. towards the end of the film. All right, but yeah, that rounds out our cast, our crew. You gave us a brief setup. Should give you some warnings. Language, blood and gore. Yeah, there's definitely that. And there's some mild sexual stuff. Yeah, my, yeah, mild sexual things. There's a brief flash of nipple. Right, there is. Simulated sex, just, you could say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, plus it's just... Not that this is that taboo, because it's kind of just its own genre, but it's like a high school party movie. Yeah. Just as much as it's a slasher. Yeah, for people who have a fear of clowns. Oh, yeah, Stitch is a fucking clown. I guess I should have said that. I didn't even, I don't know why I didn't think about that. You said it was colorophobia. Colorophobia, yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, if you suffer from that, this is not the film for you. No, no. Even more than a couple others, I think, that we've done. I would agree with that. Strangely, because I also think this is a little bit lighter hearted than quite a few, but. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 We'll definitely get into that. But, or as they say, Aram? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think outside of that. I'd say there's only one character who has such a thick accent that you'll want to have subtitles on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't want to wade through some kind of thick accents at points, yeah. Not the worst, but... No, definitely not the worst, but there's moments. Mm -hmm. I guess be warned to use <laughs> subtitles? That's all. Doesn't I'm stretching hurt. now. I don't know why I always stretch this out, but I'd rather, like, we cover everything. No, I mean, we'd rather cover our bases than not. And then if we miss anything, we'll bring it up definitely in the next section. Anyway, speaking of the next section, let's find out how Stitches made us squeal. I was almost going to say, let's see if it left us in Stitches, but... How does that make you squeal? All right, Danny. Stitches. I've seen it before. So what did you think? This was your first time, right? It was. So going into it, I didn't know really anything about it. I remember when you had posted like a screenshot and put it right. on the gram. But that's been a while back, and I didn't really think anything of it since then. But I remember just in passing, you may mention that to you. It's like, yeah, it's pretty good. You liked it. And so I was like, all right, cool. You brought it up last week. Like, like, hell yeah, let's do it. Like, because I was mm -hmm. curious enough to. So anyway, with that being said, I really enjoy it, man. I think it's a good party film. Yeah, right? So for me, 
I wanted to watch this movie for fucking years. I now am completely blanking and do not remember what DVD I had mm. that the trailer was on. But there was some flick that I used to put on that I didn't mind letting the trailers run on, and this was one of the trailers. And I kept being like, oh, that looks pretty good. Oh, that looks pretty good. But every time I saw the trailer, I was like, yeah. And then I never got to it. Yeah. And then I think, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure that picture that's up on the gram of when I watched it, that might have been one of the first times I used Tubi. Oh. I think that's where it was at the first time I watched it. Nice, hell yeah. After you finally convinced me to download that shit. And I was like, oh shit, I remember that, you know, wanting yeah. to see this movie. Maybe I'll finally fucking check it out. Checked it out. I remember digging it, but we smoke a lot of weed and it's been a couple of years. So I barely remembered shit. Like, I remembered the basic premise like, dude fucking dies at a party, yeah. comes back and is going after the kids. I didn't even really remember, like, much of the detail on the deaths and shit or, like, how the kids were fucking portrayed, which made this really enjoyable to go through again, and I got to fucking basically experience that all again for the first time. But not really. Like, as soon as I started watching it, some parts of it started coming back, but... But no, that's still, that's kind of a fun way to reintroduce yourself to this film. Mm-hmm. Really fucking dig it. It's a fun flick. Go watch Stitches, then come back and listen to the rest of this. Actually... You don't necessarily have to. It's not that good of a movie. Like but. No, I mean, it's not one that's going to like blow your skirt up or nothing like that. But I think if you enjoy kind of antics and more humorous side of horror, like I said, this is kind of a party film, if you will. I think you'll have fun with it is what I'm getting at. It's, it's enjoyable enough. It follows a certain, you know, familiar scheme, and it does it pretty well. I think where this film goes right... There's a couple different places it goes right. One of them is, I kind of already said it, this movie's just kind of a good high school party movie anyway. It is. With like a group of friends throwing a party for a friend. Some of them are trying to get laid. <laughs> Some of them are just trying to get through the night. I would have written that off as a European American pie. Yeah. And it was still would have been fun. Absolutely. Irish American pie. Yeah. I'm fine with that. But then people also get offed. And then that throws in that slasher element. And then the other way that this movie fucking succeeds is the kills are outstanding. Yes, and I know we'll definitely get into detail about those. Like, were you expecting any of no. what actually happened in this fucking flick to happen? <laughs> I wasn't sure exactly which angle they were going to go with, because it opens up, you know, very comical. Because my very first note is this. This is at least, at least the second clown movie that we've done where we've seen a clown having sex. As his intro? Right. I mean, Captain Spaulding had that happen. As I'm wearing my Spaulding shirt. <laughs> and I was wondering, it's like, as I was sitting here earlier and earlier at my place too, it's like, I wonder how many times have we seen clowns have sex outside of those two characters? And it made me wonder because we've seen clowns more than once. Yeah, right. I mean, we've seen them several times. But it might be the only two occurrences that I can think of. Of clowns getting busy? Right. I mean, not that it's... Clowning around? Something I think about all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it made me curious. Because I was like, this is kind of a funny way to open up. Because the guy's, you know, fuck me clown. And he's late for a birthday party. <laughs> they never really go into it. 
But I love the implication that there's just some chicks that are super into clowns. I mean, and I, you know what? There probably is, but uh, I never oh. thought about it before. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But <laughs> I'm almost a hundred percent sure there's that going on. Mm-hmm. Maybe to that extent. Maybe I don't know. Perhaps. We're not going to sit here and explain every fucking joke because no. it is partially a comedy movie. But like, I mean, Ross he Nimble. almost runs over the kids just to get to the fucking birthday right. party. You know, he- needs cash up front. Mom's holding up a, like a wad of cash, and the other hand's got just a bill. And he, of course, he goes for the wad of cash. But while he's inside, all of his gags, the kids are just they're heckling him. Well, he's fucking terrible, and then the kids are also fucking terrible. It's a perfect combination for just cringe and. It's like awkwardness. <laughs> Nothing's working. As I was sitting there watching that segment, I couldn't help but think like, yo, people got to do it. It probably takes a special kind of person. It probably fucking sucked to be a birthday clown. I, want to back I don't up. want to be a birthday clown. <laughs> no, it would be horrible. I want to back up just for a moment. Yeah. We'll put a, a little place mark there. Do have to mention the second time around, I did catch where he's having the conversation with the woman he's banging. Mm-hmm. She asked him about the egg. And he does explain that it's something that he had to do. Yeah, yeah. He so, says, yeah, when I, when I joined up, they made me do it. It's a clown right. thing. So I was like, okay, okay. Second time, that makes more sense. First right. time around, you just was like, oh, okay, that's fucking weird. <laughs> that you don't really think much about it. I could not have told you a fucking thing about the egg before I rewatched it. But the second that egg came back up on screen, like, oh, I yeah. was like, oh, that's right. Fucking this is about to get weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not as weird as it probably sounds to some when we bring up egg and clowns. <laughs> it can get really weird. All right, Tom, the kid who is having mm-hmm. the birthday, this is his 10th birthday. That's something that is noted. We've already made mention that clowns really suck, and so the kids are like, all right, they're coming to the point where they're wanting to pull a prank on him, so they tie his shoe while he's performing. And so one of the kids talks Tom into throwing a soccer ball at him, and he does, and... He just so happens to trip, falling into the kitchen where there's a knife exposed in the dishwasher. We don't see it because of the angle, so the kids don't get to see it. Which, I hate that shit. Anytime I see a knife pointing up anywhere, that's the first thing I fucking think of. Is right. like, I'm going to fall on that shit. All right, so I want to play the devil's advocate in a way there. I'm going to say that's not really the kid's fault. That's the mom's fault for not closing that. Yeah, yeah, not the kid's fault. No, well, I mean, and especially not Tommy's fault. No, in a tragic way, I mean, yeah, it led to his death. But if we're really having to go from the start, why was it there in the first place? Because the mom put it there when she was doing the dishes and she didn't put that shit up. Which you got like 10 kids running around. Yes. So she got more than know that. better. She should know better. Less than that? How many kids? I don't know. There was a no, shit there was like, I think I counted like maybe seven or eight kids. Close right. to 10, though. I mean, at least seven or eight that matter. Exactly, exactly, which we'll learn later on, right? So so the one, okay, I feel bad. <laughs> I wish I would have took better notes, and I feel even dumber because they show this like five times. I'll try to help because I might recall some of it. They show it like five times because even before, there's a spoiler section, in the future when Stitches is killing the kids, he flashes back to the party before he kills each one. And what their hand was in the party. Mm-hmm. So it was the fucking terrible couple that tied his shoes, right? 
No, it was Vinny. Oh, Vinny tied the shoes. Was because that comes into play much later on. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he was the one that set that up. See, I was thinking that that seemed Paul, more up there. Paul seemed was, more, was, okay. was one of the couple. He was the one that wrung out whatever it was into the clown's hat uh, and into the dude's drink later on. Uh, she, I can't remember exactly. I, wrote, I think I wrote it down, but when we get to her death, I'll oh, bring up. Oh, she throws his umbrella. Yep. So, That's right. Yes. Okay, now it's coming back to me. It does play out. <laughs> Their fates, according to what happened at the party. So, yeah, all this stuff is going on. It leads to a pretty gruesome death because he does get up from his injury, uh, stitches that is, and he's going towards Tommy, just spraying blood all over the kid. And <laughs> what does he do? Like something like trip and the freaking knife goes well, up in the air. It's fucking, first off, the, yeah, like you said, it's fucking stuck through his fucking head, like, up through his shit. fucking eye. It's pretty gnar looking. I think bad. there's better effects later in the movie. I don't think that initial one through the eye is the greatest, it's not the but greatest. it's not It's not bad. No, it's it's not. not bad by any means, but I was just like, eh, okay, I see it. I see it. It looks good. Just, yeah, they did a pretty decent job. But I'm also not squeamish enough to look away, and I'm looking straight at this bitch, and yeah. it's not the greatest. <laughs> but and he gets fucking pissed, and he pulls it out and goes to stab Tommy in retaliation and fucking slips. And it goes up And it goes air. up and right back in the eye, doing an uh, X over his eye, which is so ridiculous. I'm wondering, <laughs> did they design, like, how Stitches was going to look and then had to be like, oh, shit, we have to explain, like, a double scar over his eye that, now that yeah. we designed it? Well, I don't know if there was any, like, improvisation, because we've talked about this with the way that films are filmed sometimes is sometimes in the script, it doesn't always go according to what's already mm -hmm. been written. Sometimes there's, you know, you have rewrites throughout the day and whatever. It makes me wonder if they were just improving during some of these lines because it is comical. Like you said, like, mm -hmm. Oh, we found ourselves in this situation. Let's explain it through this unlikely scenario. Like this dude gets stabbed because he lands on a fucking exposed knife and then he slips while trying to stab a kid and then it crosses out the other side. Yeah. I think that's unlikely, but it's already clownish as it is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think this film is maybe too clever for its own good sometimes. Now, I'll tell you what. If I ever slip down to the point where I'm living as a birthday clown, <laughs> I hope that if I'm already a birthday clown, then some probable hookers are going to fight over me at my funeral. That was pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That, but it was funny. Yeah, because the kid's spying from his little treehouse there. Because it was already established earlier that, you know, he can see the girl from the distance from with his telescope. But he can also see the graveyard. And you're right, those two mm -hmm. hookers are fighting over his grave. But there's some other weird stuff going on. Because the kid goes out later on and wants to leave, like, some squeaky toy or whatever the fuck it was at the gravesite for Stitches. Mm -hmm. And as that's happening, there's another moment where it's like, this film, this film is silly, man. I kind of like it. It's like these group of clowns are going into, I don't know, some underground den or whatever mm -hmm. and as they're marching they're going you remember no no i can't remember what they were saying he 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 ha ha, oh, ha. Right. <laughs> yo so i was like that is fucking funny dude who wrote this it was connor mcmahon connor mcmahon that other dude's last name is o'brien almost 100 percent read some terry pratchett Probably. Which also Terry Pratchett is fucking not just huge worldwide, but especially over in the Isles. So <laughs> considering he was British, but in the Discworld novels, 
there is a city, Ankh-Morpork. It's like the giant fucking city in the middle of this fantasy realm. Also, these are super comedy fantasy novels, so that'll <laughs> make this make a lot more sense. In Ankh-Morpork, basically everything's been legalized. It's just that everything is ran by guilds. Okay, makes sense. So, like, you have the normal sort of, like, Stonecutters Guild, Bakers Guild, but then you also have like, well, like the Thieves Guild is in charge of like the thievery in the city. <laughs> yeah. Because it's been legalized, but they have to run it like accordingly. So like you can pay a fee and the Thieves Guild won't strike your business, you know, like mob extortion insurance schemes. But also like the members are capped at the amount that they can actually steal per month and stuff. That's what you're saying, yeah. So there's also a clown's guild. And at one point in one of the books, you go in and they're like having a clown funeral. And it's basically this bullshit. Wow. That's like, funny. no fucking joke. It's maybe down to the egg. Like, I wow. think they might have grabbed the eggs from it. I haven't. That's really I cool. haven't read that book. I've only read that particular book once. And it, it was almost a year ago now at this point. Maybe even over a year ago at this point. I'm not uh, saying that this entire film is like, I don't want to use the word rip off. I think it's more of an homage because that's not the only instance where I'm seeing like familiarity from other films throughout this film. The whole teenage, you know, like motif, like the whole tropes of those films fits this model, but it does it, I think in a clever way. Yeah. Um, dude, the Ankh Morpork Clowns Guild, like, it's awesome. like the funeral's more involved but it's all the same sort of thing where it's like clown gags and tropes, but being done as ritual. That's so funny. I mean, it's silly, but that's what they do. Like, like ritualistic, <laughs> like pie smashing in each other's faces and shit. Like hilarious. it's insane, but it's so funny. And like, <laughs> it seems Absurd. like they're just being clowns and having a good time. But when you're actually asking about them, like, asking them what's going on like they're insanely somber and serious and like no we're mourning like one that's of our colleagues saying, yeah. just fucking passed <laughs> like this is how we celebrate and mourn yeah that's yeah to others it appears oh, fuck i can't remember if the now i'm wondering if the egg was in it or not too i can't really remember to be honest but yeah i mean i think it's worth a, a gander but yeah i think that's really interesting that probably does explain at least that side of what we could call a clown guild perhaps in this film Right, the secret clown cabal. Right, I mean, you could call it a cult if you want, but I prefer the other terms. Yo, the killer clown cult. Oh, dude, hell yeah! They're just another. As long as we don't use K's for all those, yeah. <laughs> I think we're good to go. Uh, yeah, strike the case. <laughs> we ain't doing this Mortal Combat style. Uh 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 uh. Definitely not. <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean there. Putting Stitch's egg in some kind of container, mm -hmm. which we learn what its purpose is later on, which is kind of interesting. But because Tommy was out there and he snuck up on the cult and all, or the cabal, if you will, he gets caught. And there's a warning from the Motley, and it's basically telling him that a clown who dies and never finishes the party will never rest in peace. And a joke is not as funny as the second time. Oh, it's the Fool's Guild, not Fool, the Clown's okay. Guild. Still, no, that's same thing. Pretty close, yeah. It's all the same. It's relative enough, but 
Yeah, so he's been warned, right? And then we get the whole six years later, he's in high school, his friends and him, of course, are all grown up. And I was listening to one in a review, which I do like. They're called off-the-shelf reviews, pretty good guys, but they didn't really care for this film because they're like, oh, as soon as we saw the way that they were given the college-slash-high school entrance, they're like, I was tuned out. <laughs> I was like, no, actually, I was, for me, I was like, nope, I was actually tuned in because... Those kind of films way back when appealed to me, and I'm always down for that kind of comedies because they're usually pretty sophomoric, but I can get down with that kind of comedy. All right. I was had to look this up. The Ankhmore Corpork Fool's Guild, talking about some of the guild practices. The Fool's Guild is not composed of people. It is composed of clowns. Upon the death of a clown, his face, dress, name, and approved routines are passed on to another student who will then assume that identity for the rest of his life. His being operative pronoun here, there are no women in the Fool's Guild, the council having concluded that women have no sense of humor. People may come and go, but the clown lives forever. A clown's face is recorded in the Hall of Faces, a room of rack upon rack of blown eggshells, each painted with the features of a specific clown. For any clown to use another's face or name is punishable by death. Makes sense. For the little bit that we do get in this film with... This particular group of fools. It's the Ankh Pork Fools Guild. I like it, dude. That makes total sense in the context of this film. Yeah, fuck yeah. I like it. Holy shit. Crossover. Holy shit. Anyway. Who, who'd have thunk it, right? <laughs> Where were we? Sorry. I'm... No, it's pretty much we're in high school now with Tommy, you know, and his awkwardness and how he's getting bullied by the couple. And then he's, of course, in love with Kate she kissed him earlier at the party when he was younger and all that good stuff. Yeah, all the characters are pretty fucking high school party trope heavy. Yeah. But I'm I'm into it. I love those fucking types of movies. So that's what I'm saying. It's easy to digest. It's kind of bubblegum, you know. You, you know what you're gonna get. You know but how I like many it. times I rewatched Can't Hardly Wait? Oh like, dude, I, you're talking to the choir here. <laughs> how many times wait, I've rewatched fucking in betweeners? It's all good entertainment. It's fun. It's silly. It's sophomoric. I like all that shit. I think it's fun. It's relatable. Uh, I'd say the the one character that doesn't fit a standard teen high school party trope is Bulger. That's who, a good point. Who gets all the fat friend <laughs> jokes and all the gay friend jokes. The not out gay friend jokes. Solid point. That's... I love how they look at him confused when he calls for the fucking fanny fest. I don't know. Not all of them. They're like, yo, bro, you don't have to play in front of us. Like we accepted who you are a long time ago. Yeah. They did look at him awkwardly. Like, what are you, fuck are you talking about fanny? That you means something different. Fanny. Yeah. That means so, totally something different over there. You want American fanny. Right. He's want power bottoms. Shit. <laughs> but it's funny too, because they're all like, bro, you don't got to. It's like, like you're cool, knows. bro. We yeah, know. yeah, 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 exactly. He's like, you're already at the party. Everybody accepts you. It's okay. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> you're decorating this whole fucking thing. <laughs> Come on. You're being a little bitchy queen right now. <laughs> and uh, it's fine. Back up to the school a little bit, though. Dan is the fucking worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, he does a good job of playing that part. I'll yeah. give him credit. But yeah, he, you're right. I mean, the character. The character alone is... The character oh, is the fucking worst. Just the guy that you're just like, fuck off already. Fenton was so moved by one of my solos that he sobbed for four hours straight. It sucked because we had to do without a drummer, but I just, I hit the bass drum with my foot. 
He's like experimenting with the foot pedal. He's like, get the fuck out of here, you doofus. And then as soon as he's like, I just wish my favorite groupie was there, I'm like, yo, bitch, you better slap him. I know, right? I'm like, come on. And she didn't, but she also didn't take that shit. She's like, I ain't your fucking groupie. Yeah, right. But it plays right into those tropes that we're all familiar with, like the dickhead boyfriend who does not pay attention, the kid who's in love with her, mm-hmm. all that shit, you know. But it's like, uh, let's see how this one plays out, <laughs> just the way we thought. <laughs> and uh, It's okay. I like the variations of these tales because mm-hmm. even though they're all familiar and they follow up, they're all different in the way that they approach it. Right, like... We usually have a bully. We don't usually have a weird, like, almost weirdly psychosexual power couple bully. Yeah, you're right. I'm trying to think of a couple who fit that bill that we've seen, if we've seen it. I can't really think right now of one. Not right off the top of my head like that. And, like, they were neat. They were one of the reasons I almost wish this movie was longer. I've heard that argument, too, because this film's not really long, even though I think it clocks in at like a, an hour 26 and some change. That's with the credits, but it's really only like an hour 19, 20, maybe. I think you could give every one of the quote-unquote main characters even like five more minutes. Yeah. And maybe combine a, a couple of those. Like uh, I'd fucking, be fine with that. But I think each of them has just a little bit more story to tell that wouldn't overcrowd this movie. Yeah, you could explore them a little Not bit Not that more. you need to. I Not thought necessarily, this was but yeah. You could still, if you wanted to, you could. This is good enough that you've allowed yourself that room, and I don't right. mind. Because I don't know how many times yeah. I've bitched about some of these movies being like, it was good, but I wish it was 10 minutes shorter. It's good, I wish it was 20 minutes shorter. It's good, but I think there's that's, a better hour and a half version yeah. of it. This one, we got an hour and a half movie, and I'm like... Yo, give me the hour 45. Give me the hour 50. I don't need a two-hour version of this no, movie. No, no, but I wouldn't be mad. Yeah, if it Hour 50 might hour, be pushing it. But I'd say hour 40, and I'd still be fine with that. Mm-hmm. But there's okay. a, a little bit more. 10 minutes isn't that much, but yeah. it can also be huge. It could give you some other deaths mm-hmm. to explore, too, if you mm-hmm. wanted to, because they do a good job already at it. I do kind of wish more of just, like, the random kids got offed. Yeah, that's another argument that we could make. Just because doing so good in, with the fucking deaths in this movie. Yeah, and there's a lot of kids that you could have offed for whatever reason. But, I mean, for the film's sake, it did follow. You know, like, it makes sense. You're going after the kids that were at the party that led to your, you know, mm-hmm. untimely death. So, it makes sense. But, regardless, they could have done that if they wanted to. I don't know how to segue into oh. this scrote rip. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> what, all, all this leads to, right, is like... Yeah, they go to class. The kid, Tommy, that is. I thought this is an interesting Easter egg. If you're not paying attention, it'll go right over your head. But I was like, yes, this is really cool. Here's an Easter egg where he's taken uh, Hypnosil. Wait, what? I didn't notice that. That's fucking funny. Yeah, dude. I'm like, oh, where do I recognize that from? Well, we talked about it on A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 the Dream Warriors, because that's what Nancy's taken, mm-hmm. and that's the experimental drug that she wants to give the kids because it helps suppress dreams and all that stuff. But it's like, that's really interesting. That's one other homage that they're doing in this film. Plays into the trope. That's cool. Shit. I wish I would have noticed that. Because he's dreaming about the events of the party. Right. Hence why he wants to block the dream. <clears throat> but he's starting to hallucinate some shit, and he hallucinates that upcoming His scene. teacher becoming a 
clown. Yeah. Which, that's one of the scenes where, like, if you're scared of clowns, that gets oh. fucking mean, bro. But it's also played for it's laughs. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's dark humor. It's really fucking yeah. dark. But it's still funny because of what's being said and how it's played out. Because the teacher's just playing it straight. Tommy is rightfully horrified and glued to his seat. Vinny's kind of a Vinny's, mix of... Vinny's, yeah, a mix because, like... Yeah, he just got his cock ripped off. And he's screaming in pain. Oh, and he can't quite, like, walk over to the teacher, right? He's kind of, like, hobbling over like his dick just got yeah, ripped off. Yeah, bleeding all out. But... He is also like sitting there, like hopping oh. up and down, trying to like Give grab me it back out of me the dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's played out the humor because everybody's laughing, but it's also horrific at the same mm-hmm. time. So it becomes absurd. <laughs> like, what the fuck is happening? And he gets the, a warning. And the teacher just plays it straightforward, like it's a lesson, except he's dressed as a clown. Right. And then the maths test is over. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck is happening with this kid? But I like the way that's played out because it keeps it interesting. It's not something we haven't seen before. But what are they going to do with this? Right. I like it. I like it. So when he tries to invite Vinny over, it all becomes a party. We've seen that shit spiral out of control in all sorts of fucking teen movies. What I found interesting, even though it's like kind of silly, but it makes a lot of sense in the context of this film, once again, is one of the, like, the flyers for the mm-hmm. party winds up flying out. I don't know if it's Tommy's window. Yeah, it probably was Tommy's window. It was, uh, no, it was Vinny's window. Okay. And it, yeah, it goes to the fucking grave, lands right on Stitch's grave. Because it flies out Vinny's window. Oh, yeah. When he's about to crank one out to Mary's fucking my face. He says something. Let me. Let- also, when the fucking, when the bully chick was <laughs> confronting Tommy about the party and they just completely blow through the line and it's like you invited everyone to come on my face yeah and then you see that i'm like okay i know what she means because everyone was using some version of my space my face Mm -hmm. yeah but But it's the delivery of the line yeah that's funny and but that's the other thing like tommy's too frightened to like snicker at it so it's like played realistically (laughs) Which makes it funnier. <laughs> yeah, because I would have at least, like, get broke, like, <laughs> like that's some yeah. variation of that shit. But, yeah, you're right. He played it straight. It is funny. Because he is frightened of them. Like, he wouldn't snicker at that. Mm-hmm. Not n- not him. No. Like, Vinny probably would have snickered at it. Oh, he's probably 100%. I mean. Oh, uh, what's his name? The fucking camera boy. He would have snickered at it. Richie? Yeah. The fucking Bulger would have fucking been yelling at him before they even <laughs> got that close to him. <laughs> Exactly. He don't like them. No, he would have protested. Mm-hmm. Doth protest too much. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was fucking hilarious. Anyway, yeah, he's going to crank one out to her my face. Yeah, that was pretty funny. So, yeah, it leads to all that silliness. And But, look, everyone, when something like what happened at Tommy's 10th birthday party happens, do you ever go to a fucking party thrown by that kid? Like, I ain't superstitious, but I can sometimes be a little stitious. It depends on how the party is thrown this time around. Like, all right, it's six years later. I'm willing to see how this one goes. But once shit looks like it's going wrong, I'm out of here, dude. Yo, anything starts going wrong. Yeah. Like, my beer tastes a little bit off. It ain't worth it, I'm bro. checking out. Fucking clown died at your party. Well, I've already been down this path. I don't need to get covered in blood tonight. That's on you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> Screw you guys. <laughs> I don't know. There are a lot of fit chicks. Yeah, I mean, in high school, you got to think about that, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll stick around. Maybe stick around. 
So I can't remember when it actually comes. Party time. Party's going, right? Yeah. Uh, I know it's like actually like midway through the party that it happens, but we mentioned it earlier and I got to bring it up. The nipple flash in this movie is really awkward because it's supposed to be 16 year old tit. Exactly. In context. Exactly. In context, <laughs> yes. You're like, all right, there's a line that Stitches says later on in the film, too, where he's like, I hope you're 16. So that lets me know that that's at least the legal age of consent, I suppose. Something like that. I don't know. It's all weird, man. 16 is still creepy young. Anyway, I just, like, we brought that up earlier, and I've just been waiting for us to get to the party because, like, it's weird in context. What other movie did we have that where it's like, fuck, I don't remember. I'm going to waste too much time thinking of it. Yeah, we're stoned. It's like, I don't know, admit. (laughs) I know we ran into that before, though, where it was just like, yo, that was what it was, but, like, it's super weird in context because she's supposed to be way underage, bro. Yeah, that's a good point, man. I, I don't know. Maybe it was Carrie or something like that. The Rage, perhaps. Mm, something, maybe. maybe. Something like that. But yeah, we've run across that before. You're right. It's weird. <laughs> All right. The party, too, I didn't want to mention. What I thought was pretty funny. It makes sense, though, the way this film plays out is where they're trying to get Tom to relax at the party, and there's a cookie that gets passed around. And at first, I wasn't paying any attention. I was like, okay, these dudes are just fucking snacking out because it's fucking Ireland. Yeah. I wasn't thinking they're eating edibles in Ireland. It's like, yeah, I brought this house cookie. Like, all right, that's cool. I don't know what the fuck a house cookie is supposed to mean. Like, there's certain slang that I'm not always hip on. They were waiting for him to pass it back around, and he's like, I ate, I fucking ate it. <laughs> oh, shit. So 40 this, joints, dude. So this is something I both kind of liked and kind of didn't like. I liked that they didn't play him as stereotypical movie stoned. Solid. I agree with that. He was more just spacey and Probably low action. introspective, like, oh, damn. <laughs> Thinking a lot. But that was basically only for the next scene. Yeah. You accidentally eat that much of an edible that you're not used to or expecting? You did that's well him the day. rest of the movie. And that's uh, yeah. what they didn't do. That's what. That's true. I like the fact that they didn't make him go weird movie stoned, which we even see in fucking like weed based horror movies yeah it's unfortunate but you're right they play into it it was a lot more realistic except they did not have him nearly stoned enough for long enough for what for he what ate. he ate and man that kid's too square to have that kind yeah. of tolerance yeah no he's and his anxiety he's already cranked up to 11 he's probably not having a good time no how he would probably be paranoid as a motherfucker right before he passes out given yeah exactly from <laughs> hyperventilating and stuff and then he's gonna hyperventilate more when he wakes up still stoned and then seeing paul he pass out again mm-hmm. <laughs> or he could probably have a fucking heart attack he's not gonna be having a good time no not at all whatever though i would rather see this than the other way yeah i'm not griping i'm you're right we're just pointing out the truths <laughs> look this is a partially weed-based podcast if they're gonna be doing weed yeah we, i think we, we have to talk about yeah to talk about it <laughs> at this point <laughs> They're going to be doing that marijuana's. Yeah, I mean, we're certified. We got our cards, so we could talk about this. <laughs> Professionals. <laughs> it's true. Oh, also, Dan is still the worst. Yeah, he is, dude. He is the fucking worst, man. God. That's all I can really say. Every scene he shows up in, dude's the fucking like, worst. Uh, Which, like, bravo to the actor. Right. Dude's the fucking worst. It's his character. It's not the guy. It's the character. His character is a douche. <laughs> Because he always has, like, he's making 
Tom felt awkward at his own fucking party. He said, yeah, don't be silly. Don't, don't be silly, Tom. Don't be silly. He's like, fuck off. Which, I mean, he does come around and get him later mm-hmm. on in the film. Fuck off, wanker. <laughs> yeah, but every time you encounter him, you're like, please fucking let this kid get off somehow. And then fucking homie the clown shows up. Yeah, homie does play that. <laughs> now, okay, how do you feel about this? Like, high school kids can be the worst. That's a given. We were all in high school at one point. Exactly. They're fucking terrible to each other sometimes. There's certain things that, like, they tend not to let fly when it happens to somebody, like, obviously, like, super weaker and shit. I kind of feel like everyone knows what the fuck happened at Tommy's party. Yeah. Half the party there were also there and fucking traumatized. What the fuck? Dude isn't going to pull that fucking prank and not have half the party fucking throwing him out and kicking his ass. Yeah, someone's going to get really pissed off and fuck him up probably because that kid's already mouthy. Like, look, kids can be fucking terrible, but I feel like all of us have seen some instance where, like, maybe not something like this, but, but, like, a line gets drawn, especially when it's happening to somebody who underwent... Super fucked up trauma. Yeah. I mean, that's... Like getting bled all over by a clown. It's not cool. I mean, there's ways to do things where, yeah, it can be funny, but that's not the time or the place. And, you know, that's kind of a dick move. Like, I, I feel like the most they'd let slide is, like, putting a fucking, I don't know, like a clown picture in his locker or something. Oh, I mean, for his birthday somebody cake, shows do, up like, a, something with the cake. Yeah, but somebody shows up at his birthday party threatening oh, him in a clown suit, like that hell. party's gonna get fucking pissed. Yeah, you're already creating this awkward vibe, dude. Mm-hmm. Killing the vibe. But it gets played along trope lines, and most of the part, except for his close friends, most of the party kind of laughs and then goes about their business. Yeah, who is it, Bulger? He's pretty vocal about it. Yeah, Bulger's He's pretty vocal. Um, Kate, obviously. Yeah, Kate's immediately like checking on him and shit. And, you know, and that's that's a given, and that's fine. That's good. Is Finny off trying to get Poon right then? You know he is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's chasing tail, which, yeah. you know, don't blame him. Yeah, so there's some of that stuff going on. Homeboy's taking picture of fucking fluttering plastic bags or something. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, there's a lot of tropes going on in this film, which are kind of interesting. They're kind of cool. Like, stuff plays out just like it does in other films. American Pie, almost to a T, and the piss scene. Actually, dude that takes the pictures... He really reminds me of a guy I used to buy weed from. Damn. <laughs> Damn. I mean, people do shady shit at parties, yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah. kind of getting a little bit into the part, because we did mention that Stitches rises from the grave, which is, I kind of like how it's played out, the way they do that. It's a little the, artistic. The reverse shot? Obviously. <laughs> Fucking obviously. Like, we've seen this happen too many times where it's like, no, nah, come on. It now. looked good. No, they pulled it off great. As I said, sometimes this film is probably a little too clever for its own good. They take some artistic liberties, and I was like, damn, I look good. I look good. Even some of the shadowy shots you see of him, mm-hmm. as he's, I'm like, those look good. It jumps forward a little bit, but just the framing of him and Bulger... When he kills him, oh. I fucking love it. It's so ridiculous. Of course it is. It's silly as fuck, but that's why I like this film, because it's not taking itself serious. It knows it's silly. By being super serious at times. Like, that framing, the way that is presented, 
Dude. Not the wide shot, not the, the close-ins are kind of silly. Right, right. I know what you're saying. Though. The wide shot is presented in a super serious oh, cinematic good. matter. It's so fucking silly. Of course it is, but that's like another reason why I do enjoy this film. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, this is a lot of entertainment value in this film. But Stitches shows up when Homeo the Clown shows up, basically. You're right. It's just then Homie has to go piss. Right. He goes upstairs, I believe, to a bathroom, and he gets greeted. Well, he doesn't make it in time. No, he you're right. He himself. pisses all over himself, and he's Shit, like... not again. You're like, this dude's a pee-pee pants. Yeah, and he squeezes out his pants into Dan's drink down below. That was funny. And he asks, is there it any more? It tastes like piss and flies. Yeah. But... That happened before, too, with American Pie, where it was a stifler gets, like, peed all over. Oh, shit. Yeah, well... Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and then as far as drinking bodily substances goes, there was the fucking cum in the beer. Oh, God. Well, we saw it, what, last week uh, with a turkey the baster. <laughs> a different type of party. All sorts of parties. Yeah. It's a baby shower. <laughs> The back of your throat. Dude, his killing fight. What is that cat's name? I Paul. Keep, Paul. Yeah, the first victim is Paul. He Him was like the. Paul is he was a part crazy. of the, the shit couple. Yeah. yeah. What I kind of wrote it down, kind of paraphrased what happened. It's like it started off with his ear getting ripped off, then his left arm gets ripped off. I heard there's arguments like, yeah, that kid would have been screaming in terror and horror, and people would have heard him at the party. That would have been pretty obvious, but that's not how Man. it plays out. It's, it's a movie, it's a party. His arm getting ripped off. Like what? The I look, blood look, all both looked place. really good. I can't say it looked bad at all. Right, right, right. But it also had me <laughs> laughing because I'm pretty sure I saw a chicken liver come out of his arm. You're probably right. It's super practical, <laughs> but that's okay. Sometimes you gotta use a turkey, chicken, whatever. I'm like, I think that's a liver, <laughs> but whatever. It looks good. <laughs> it works. It works. And then. I think it, Paul complains about like him having a hair in the back of his throat or something. Oh, and he's like, oh, yeah, let me go get that. Stitches, that is. Mm -hmm. Puts his hand down his throat and pulls out a fucking hair, a rabbit. Yeah. Be like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then kicks his head clean off. And you get the blood spray as it's spiraling. You know what this movie kind of is? It's just mean killer clowns. Right. It's all clown gags, except you exactly. actually get to see the blood. Yeah, you get to see the payoff. And I like it. Thank you. Unlike the basically family-friendly killer clowns from outer space. Right. I mean, you know, I would agree, though, because I wouldn't want to show this I mean, I love that movie, but... No, I like it. Yeah, of course. But, I mean, in retrospect, it's like, ah, yeah, it's pretty tame. Mm-hmm. Fuck, at this point, like, I mean, I just want to jump kill to kill, because those are fucking... Yeah, dope. so that's the first kill. Paul gets killed first. Second kill is Bulger goes into the pantry because he's supposed to get the first aid kit for Tom when Paul came in and... You know, made Tom panic. All that stuff happened. But instead, he Yo, goes for the snacks. Bad luck for Bulger. Bulger loves snacks. Like, I've I've always been a heavy guy. So I always <laughs> try to, like, be happy for, like, the fat kids in movies. Especially, yeah. like, high school movies because it's tough. Yo, dude, you're not doing yourself any favors if you're fucking mowing down uh, on canned strawberries to the point where, like, you get they're stained all, all over, over your, your fucking shirt and crotch. Oh, it's and like, come on, dude. They're not that good, are they? I've had them. They're good. Right. Like, 90% sugar. But I'm wondering how, to the point, like you were saying, that you would keep yourself in a pantry and let that shit get all over your clothes, all over your face. 
in the middle of a party that you have to at some point come out and back to. Yeah. Ah. Is he? Does he think he's just going to stay in there until everyone's sh- so shit-faced that he can just sneak out? I suppose that his exit strategy is like, fuck it, I'm going home after this. Because, like, you can't get my sugar buzz off. It was a bad look. I understand going for the snacks. I would have went for the snacks while I was in there. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I don't know if I'd go for anything canned, per se. I, I ain't going to take that time. No, something's got to be in a wrapper or in a box where I can get my hands in it. Give me a fucking a little bag of crisps. Yeah, there you go. I like it. Yeah. Something I can put in my pocket, some pocket snacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, some pocket candy. <laughs> there you go. See? Dude, sometimes shit can go weird at parties. Sometimes you might need to gift that rift. That's right, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> shit, yeah. So, I mean, I don't blame him, right? You're right. I don't blame him. He's in a... I don't blame him for going for the snacks. Right. That's He's a in a pantry book, full though. of food. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. I'm not going for that look. Bulger went for that look, and he paid for it because in walks... Our clown again stitches, and he uses a can opener to pry open Bulger's head, exposing his skull. Where he uses an ice cream scoop to scoop out his brain. And you can't hear him because the entire party's singing along to "I Just Died in Your Arms I, Tonight," I just which was one of the most realistic like, party yes. scenes I've fucking seen. Right, a song everybody like would that do comes it. on, and you're already like an hour and a half into the party, and you're all Feeling fucking it. teens, you're fucking drinking. Field. Yeah, dude, you're you want to be part of the crowd. Show. Everybody's into it. Yeah, of course. Come on. That's an anthem. <laughs> yeah. And they were playing it good. Like, those kids were getting into it. I enjoyed it. It yeah. felt authentic. And also, I fucking dig that song. It's a great song. What can you say? <laughs> so that puts an end to Bulger. But Sarah, who's the other half of the shit couple with mm-hmm. Paul, she walks in. I can't remember for whatever reasons. I think maybe she's Does looking for Paul. Does he get the cat first before her? Because he, he does. He does get it before her, but... Because I, I was going to say, poor kitty... Yeah. That was like the down part for this movie. That is, far, I mean. that was fucked up. But I mean, I but know I get it's... it if you're going to go after an undead clown's fucking nose as it's creeping around. Yeah, which is silly. I mean, even the nose part was silly, but I kind of liked I it liked too at the that. same time. That's one of the things that remind me of Killer Clowns. Exactly, it's playing into those tropes, like the clown gags and stuff. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah, that's why I was perfectly fine with it. And the cat, I was like, oh no. And then he manages the fucking cat in like. You know, I'm all against animal violence, but this is a film. I know it's not real. Come on. You know, you can have a little fun with it, but I was like, damn, this is gratuitous as fuck. (laughs) Poor kitty. Oh, shit. No, I just read my notes better. It actually happens after her. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Her fucking kills dope. She comes up next anyway, because what happens is she's upstairs looking for Paul. She runs into Stitches instead, because simultaneously... Tom has retreated to his treehouse, mm-hmm. and he spies the fucking clown at his party. And like I said, at this point, because she's upstairs and she found out where Stitches is at, it looks like he's going to stab her or whatever the fuck he's going to do because she's on the bed. Uh, but she puts her heel into his throat, and it's like, oh, shit, she's got the upper hand momentarily. But it doesn't do anything except stop his momentum. Right, because he pushes that shit out anyway. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, god damn. So there's some supernatural. I mean, that's pretty apparent. There's some supernatural element to it, too. We have to mention that. Uh, but what happens to her is as she's like, I wouldn't necessarily call it running away, but she's walking away real feisty. <laughs> she gets the umbrella through the back of the skull. Dude, this is, one of, my, this is one of my favorite kills that it's I think we've pretty rad. seen outside of, like, Japan. Yeah, you know, it does have that feel. You're right. It's crazy, but I like it. Because, like, okay, she gets the umbrella through the back of the head. Right. The eyeball out on the end eyeball of Eyeball on the top. 
She falls backwards. This is gnarly. I liked it. Knocks it the rest of the way through. Yeah. The eyeball pops off into, into her, mouth. her mouth. Umbrella opens with a snap. Blood all over the room. I'm like, even though that CG, it looked good as fuck. It looked good as, yeah, dude. Acceptable. I like it. So fuck, dude. I you're right. And it did have a very Japanese feel to it, but it was executed well. Same with um, Camera Kid. Yeah, his was good too. His silly. His felt. I liked it. Like a mix of. um, It felt like some segments from. Uh, like ABCs a, of Death, too. A I was about bit. to say, it reminded me of ABCs of Death and it reminded me of Grotesque. Yeah, yeah, because of, it does play into, like, the dark comedy of it, mm-hmm. which I'm fine with. If which you're going to do it yeah. that way, yeah, go for it. Camera Kid, by the way, <laughs> Richie, I almost wish would have lived with the rest of them because he actually grew up some during that party because he went into that party believing the old saying of... Getting with a fat girl is like riding a moped. It's fun till your friends catch you. <laughs> but after she pulled him in for that makeout session, yeah, he knew what it was all about. He <laughs> was down. Yeah, he did some growing up. <laughs> Didn't matter. That's right. He got his intestines fucking doggied. Yeah, because his part at the tenth birthday party of Tom was popping the balloon. Right. Right. And as his punishment, he gets disemboweled. And then his intestines get turned into an animal balloon. <laughs> I'm putting air quotes. Nobody can see that. And then also, on top of it, his head starts to get pumped by a tire pump. And I'm like, man, this is fucking gnarly. I like this. This is one of the better practical effects we've seen recently, I think, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I agree. It looked fake, but in the right ways. Yeah, exactly. It looked like a cartoon brought to life. I was going to say, it looked almost like a garbage pill, like, comic strip come to life in a sense mm-hmm. maybe not as grotesque but still cartoonish mm-hmm. yeah i liked it it had a good payoff and fucking head explodes obviously <laughs> yo if that happened to me i hope my head would explode uh, yeah. i don't want to live life after having that happened and then trying to go back to normal God damn. like that can't have good side effects i think there was a there was a show that had a dude whose head was like that you know that want to say it might have been on liquid television mm. way back in the day I'll look it up later on. But anyway, reminded me of that a little bit too. All right. I put Stitches starts to stalk Vinny and Tom. This is like after, you know, Tom is pleading with Vinny that he needs to get out of the party as he's trying to hook up with Chick. Yo, Vinny told him the entire time that he was going to fucking pull that chick. He did. And now you're cock walking him. He was in there with her long enough while she was down. That he don't need an extra six minutes. He should have actually, he should have already been there. Extra six pumps. <laughs> because Tommy saw, saw them starting to get to it before he left the fucking treehouse. Exactly. He knew what was up. He had enough time. He's like, come on, bro. By the time he actually gets up there, like, I know he interrupts them throwing shit at the window. <laughs> but there's still some time between him actually getting up there and fucking blocking them. Yeah, plus his high school. We have to take that into consideration. Yeah. He had four times the amount of time he needed. <laughs> Uh, giggity and out. Anyway. <laughs> Way to go, Vinny. Yeah, so Tom kind of, you know, gets Vinny to like, all right, let's get the move on. We need to get out of here. And he goes back to bed to get Mary out of bed, but Stitches is in bed instead. And they have a little scrap, and that's when he's, like, using his right hand to spring mm, the, mm-hmm. the hand, and he winds up clipping uh, Vinny. But Tom comes in with the knife, stabs him in the back, 
stitches, that is. Then they put the sheet over them. They curb stomp them a little bit, and then they dart out. I think that's when they run into Kate downstairs. Right. Yeah. But she gets KO'd, too, because uh, she gets called BJ Kate, blowjob Kate. <laughs> she gets confronted with that earlier in the film by Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, you know, it causes her to turn around. And then there's a deja vu moment. There's an encounter with Stitches in the kitchen, which is kind of funny. Yeah, he gets a knife through the eye again. Which, you know, there was a, a gag. There's yeah. a split second where you're wondering if this movie's going to play by, like, Jason logic. Uh, it has a little bit of that feel. And it does seem to stop him more than anything else that they've done so far. Right. I would agree with that, too. Just not permanently. Okay. let's. I want to put a pause to that just for a second. The reason I say that, let's think about the main character's name. Tommy. Tommy Jarvis. Uh, and think about the way that Stitches came up out of the grave. We just talked about this recently. Right? <laughs> it's silly okay. as it sounds. Okay. It does feel like that. Yeah, I see that. And they're playing with different time periods, too. Mm-hmm. 10, 16, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm like, that's kind of clever. You've got the kids set up like counselors. Not that they are, but... Kind of. Yeah, and it's inside of a home, which is not unusual for a Voorhees film. <laughs> so... It has a little bit of that feel, and it's a slasher on top of it. Right, and it's a slasher. I liked that fucking deja vu. I mean, that sequence is weird because it's one of those ones when you actually, I enjoyed it. I didn't I did think too. of this in the moment. I didn't think of this till right now. But thinking back on all that <laughs> sequence, with the powers that Stitches has already shown, like, he should have been able to take them out when he first encountered them. Yeah. It was kind of just <laughs> plot device to get them ahead of him. So that they can get to the crypt before it. What I thought was, it was clever, it was silly, but it had to pay off, was when Kate was KO'd, and Tommy's trying to wake her up, <laughs> and he gets pulled away, gets dunked into the sink that's already been grodied out. That was fucking grody shit. Yeah. But he grabs the dish soap, and he starts that to spray it. That made me want to hurl just a little bit worse than, like, all, like Wait, all the blood and gore and oh. shit. Like, if they really, really, really ratcheted up, like, the way he came up out of it, yeah. it would have had a bigger payoff. Because that would have been fucking disgusting, dude. Because Vinny already threw up in that shit earlier. Oh, yeah. And apparently it's clogged up, probably with who knows what the fuck is in there. God damn. (laughs) It's a teenager's home. You have to imagine there's jizz somewhere in there. There's hairs and who knows what There's jizz all over that home. Oh, without a doubt. Someone's jizzed multiple locations in that house. Given the course of time that's, you know, elapsed. But anywho, he gets out of it. That's what leads to Kate waking up and throwing the knife. They go outside because, remember, Tom got another bicycle for his birthday. That's right. So they both dip out. They're going back to the graveyard. This is kind of like what we said earlier. He puts it together that the egg has something to do with it because apparently there was an egg that fell. or Well, yeah, there was an egg that fell, and that reminded him because— there was a part that we kind of skipped over where he tells her about all this fucking clown. Right, right, right. He, he does confess to her. Which actually that, so. has, I think, my favorite no, joke like in the entire it. movie. Yeah. Because he's naming off a bunch of things that he's studied, and they're all kind of funny because it's all like, what, like Egyptian tickling ceremonies or yeah, something Yeah, like, like a rib tickling The technique. My favorite is... That was pretty second, funny. I want to make sure something real quick. I wish I'd write this down. Uh, one of the things he mentions having studied was the right of osseous humor. Osseous means bone. <laughs> so, like, your humorous bone. <laughs> That's funny. 
God damn. God, that was my favorite fucking joke in the movie. I'm like, did anyone write of Ossia's humor? I, I fucking love that. <laughs> that is, like I said, this film is way too clever sometimes for its own fucking good. Is mm -hmm. another example of it. It plays into kind of like, I, I don't think this was the intentional part, but it, it just, it parallels, maybe it reminds me a little bit of Rare Exports with the mm. kid, with Santa Claus, having all this knowledge from the books. Mm -hmm. Tommy happens to be doing all that research and has all this knowledge on the, the clowns. And I was like, that's pretty cool, man. I like that. You're actually throwing in some tangible stuff that goes along with what you're saying. I was just kind of getting on the movie for being inconsistent with like, as powerful as Stitches has been shown with the supernaturalness, he should have been able to take him out when he first. But I kind of love the inconsistency during the chase where he has enough supernatural power <laughs> to catch up to them on the trike. Oh my God. But then I, he can't make it up the fucking hill fuck and no. I fucking lost it. <laughs> this is another moment, another homage. Did it remind you of anything? It reminded me of something, but I wasn't able to place it. It reminded me of a leprechaun. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> but that's what it reminded me of. But I did like that, where he gets all the way to that point in the hill where he's like, fucking hell. <laughs> he just gets up and starts walking. I'm like, mm -hmm. I, that's pretty fucking funny. It's stupid, but it's funny. It's weird, because there's times I don't like the inconsistency. There's times I like it. That's why this overall is a pretty good movie, because, like, I can't find any fault in it. No, I mean, it's... It's just also not great, because there's all these inconsistencies. Right, in right. But I feel like if you just take away that, right, just use your suspension of disbelief, then, yeah, yeah just play along with movie logic, and you'll have a good time. Because if not, we've already said this before, you'll be picking the film apart. And that's not really fun. Yeah. I'm not down with that. All right. They're hiding out, Tom and Kate, in the graveyard. He starts to get a little bit of a hiccupy syndrome going. She kisses him to cover up his hiccup. All right. That plays out. It leads to them going to the den. They have to make a decision. One has to stand guard. The other one goes down. She's like, uh, duh, you go down. You know what the fuck's down there. I don't because he's looking for the egg. So he, he does. He goes down there. We see all the jars. Mm-hmm. And the one he's looking for is at the top of one of the shelves. He gets up there, and, of course, he falls. They all start to fall. It's like, oh, shit, he's going to kill a bunch of fucking clowns right now. It doesn't play out that way. But he remembers something from earlier in the film because Bulger tells him something. Do you remember? It's a, such a silly-ass saying that people use all the time to remind themselves of how to open something. Righty, tighty, lefty, loosey. Yeah. Because that's how I already remembers from earlier. I was like, that's so fucking stupid that they're using that, yeah, as a wraparound. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it has a payoff, right? He gets it out. But actually, he doesn't. He gets punched. He gets KO'd. He and Kate wake up together in the cemetery, and it doesn't look like it's too good for them because Stitches has the egg, but Vinny sneaks up. Ties his shoes together. Yeah. Because, That's where it comes back around. Because Tommy is like, let me flip a coin to decide who you want to kill, which is funnier, me dying in front of her or her dying in front of me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but when he flips the coin, he hits him right in the fucking scar, his eye scar, trips up, drops the egg. It doesn't break because his fucking nose <laughs> cushions the blow. You're like, God damn it. But Tommy winds up curb stomping him. <laughs> it smashes the egg. Yeah. And then he starts to explode like egg all over the place. Some people just can't take a yolk. That's pretty funny. And it all plays out like that. He says, I never imagined I would have had egg on my face. <laughs> this is how I meet my end. I liked his, like, fall back, disintegrate into, like, eggy yolk. 
shit. That looked fucking good. I liked it, dude. I mean, it makes sense. Like I say, if you're playing within the film's context and the frames, it makes sense. We get another flash forward moment. This film's not quite done. You know what I want? I want this fucking sequel. All right. This is almost done. So Kate and Tom back at his old house because his parent or his mom, they're selling the house. Given the circumstances, who fucking wouldn't, mm-hmm. right? Although, they, isn't he only moving like a block away? Yeah, that's what he says. Yeah. I'm just like moving down the block. But Kate and he are up in the treehouse, and she has a gift for him. She has a larger telescope. She's like, you know, so that way you can always keep an eye on me or whatever. But the other telescope, the old one, still pointed at the cemetery. And as it zooms in the camera, it exposes the motley down there repairing the egg, piecing it back together. As he's getting a blowjob <laughs> <laughs> from the clown groupie from earlier, which I'm like, God damn, that's, that's hilarious. So funny. <laughs> and he does complete it. He completes the egg. And as the egg is complete, we get the blackout and then we get the line, everybody happy. And I'm like, yes, that means there's a potential for a sequel. And I'm not opposed, dude. Like, this is a fun film. I wouldn't know exactly. Like at this point, I doubt it's oh, ever going to happen. But All right, all right. Since we like to play around in this territory, I would love to, to delve more into the actual guild like we were talking about. I want to know more about that guild. Is Art a member of the guild? Holy, I hope so. He, you could say, I mean, Pennywise, of course. Throw him in there. Is this a way that we can resurrect Captain Spaulding? Captain Spaulding would be in there. I'm trying to think who else. Oh, I mean, Killer Clowns, of course, are in the guild. Do they count? They're the intergalactic sector. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, (laughs) do alien clowns count? I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. (laughs) Who else have we encountered? We haven't done too many other clowns, have we? Not that I can think of. Not right off the top of my head. We haven't done any Gacy movies, have we? No, but we've done films based around that, which is interesting. What, not really when it means horror. Right. <laughs> um. Huh, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know of any other clowns. Not right off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah, that's about the only ones I can think of. Off yeah, just for now, just for now. Anyway, where were we going with that? Oh, I mean, yeah, so the Guild of Clowns. I would like them to explore if they're going to do anything yeah. with this film, this franchise, whatever. That would be an interesting take. Like, I guess you could still use stitches, but you have a lot. Look at all those fucking clown eggs they had on the shelves. That's a lot of different characters mm-hmm. you could play with. There's a lot we don't know about. Are they all fuckheads? <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. Stitches, yeah, he was a shitty clown, but, like, shitty person too, but... <laughs> Did he deserve his fate and all that other stuff? Nah. Not necessarily. I'm like, that's kind of, that's a little, I don't know. It's a little gratuitous. <laughs> but it was still it was a fun film. funny. It was still a fun film. Yeah, I was like, God damn, this is crazy. I, would, I didn't expect any of that. I didn't know which direction they were going to go with this film. I liked it. Because you are playing with clowns, you can throw the humor in there. It's part of the gags. We've already mentioned it. Yeah, I'm so fucking glad I got to re-experience yeah. this movie again. Because... I apparently just need to work it into my standard rotate. Like I said, it's not a great fucking movie, but no. it's a movie that's easy to have in your standard rotation. I would it goes say down simple. You might it's one you don't have me. to pay attention a lot to. You could argue with me, and I'd be okay with that, but I feel like this film would probably pair well with something like Thanksgiving. Because yeah. Because of the humor of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Thanksgiving is 
and kin to it because I think this film is a little bit better. Stitches is a little bit better in production yeah, and stuff. I agree. But in terms of humor and stuff, just the absurdity of it, I think these would be a good party film together in combination. I I think you're absolutely right. Especially it's like, this shit is so silly. <laughs> yo, depending on the year, because of the way things line up and don't line up with certain holidays, like occasionally my little brother's birthday is on Thanksgiving. So I could just like double feature this Fuck for him. Yeah. A birthday movie. Oh. And a Thanksgiving movie. That's perfect. Back to back. I would man, if you decide to do that, you got That's gonna be the Tyrone special is fucking I, I, stitches. Yeah, you gotta get some responses, some reactions. Killing. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Damn, mm-hmm. dude. That's hilarious, man. But I I do think they're a good companion piece, yeah. That is so funny, man. But uh I enjoyed this film. The soundtrack was good. It had some good songs. It followed along the tropes that we're all familiar with. I was not expecting some of the homages and similarities with other films. And a big Easter egg you just revealed, too. Dude, that Ankh Morpork fool's What the fuck? That's awesome. Yeah. Also, I guess just because I brought it up and went into it at length for a second there, the book that that all is mentioned in is Men at Arms by Terry Pratchett. It's part of the Discworld series. The Discworld series went for a number of books and have a couple of their own, like, story arcs within it. So it's one of the watch books that follows the city watch at Ankh-Morpork. It's almost like a police procedural sitcom. Huh. The way it's, like, written and plays out, where they're, like, investigating a murder and stuff that's happening and, like going and checking out some of the different guilds because there's uh, ties to, like, the Assassin's yeah, Guild. Yeah, you said because and, all that stuff's been legalized, mm-hmm. so you're running into all these Like, guilds. there's an Assassin's Guild who are in charge of assassinating people. That is people. really interesting. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I can imagine that. It's all legal as long as you go through the right channels. Yeah, there's some interesting things you can explore with within all those bounds of guilds and all that shit. That's pretty cool. Um, and the Watch books actually, like... Terry Pratchett it was a comedy writer, but a satirist as well. Mm. So it is investigating like actual themes and like things in society, and especially yeah, like yeah. the Night Watch books, especially go into different things having to do with policing. That's pretty cool. And, I like, like that. Yeah, and the way they interact with the community yeah. and and stuff like that. That's a good. So. Yeah, it's a good balance. I mean, comedy and satire. Mm-hmm. Like it. Yeah. Just in case anybody's interested. I think no. I think that's really cool. Go check it out because. It's reared its head in this fucking movie, which is really neat. Also, I do another podcast called General Nerdery where we talk about nerdy shit, and we did an entire episode wow. on that particular book That's like a crazy, year ago, dude. year and a half ago, something like that. So That's neat. Man, just, I'm reading a few things in your trivia. I don't know how true these are. People can check it out. This is coming off the database. This is kind of interesting if all this shit is true. It says that Daniel Radcliffe was offered the role of Tom. Okay. That would have been interesting. Yeah. So I do know this. The kid, Tommy Knight, is actually from England, mm. as is Ross Noble. Mm-hmm. And they don't really mask their accents very well, considering the rest of the cast is mostly Irish. Right. But, you know, whatever. It makes sense that maybe he was offered the part, Radcliffe, that is. Quentin Tarantino was offered the part of Stitches. That's fucking wild. And Mark Hamill came close to being cast in the role. That also would have been wild. What? All right. Apparently, Connor McMahon, the director... We talked about he did make a cameo as a party goer. I wouldn't have known it because I don't know what he looks like. And for those who do like, I mean, this film does do some foreshadowing. We kind of mentioned that earlier. The opening sequence at the 10th birthday party with the kids playing out in the yard, mm-hmm. the way that kind of plays out, 
you could say that that was foreshadowing the death of Stitches. Like, for instance, um. it says, uh, it says, one boy trips over, a second is hit in the head with a football and knocks his glasses off his left eye. Mm. You know, and all that okay. kind of stuff. A little bit foretells itself. So I'm like, okay, that's pretty clever. But anyway, aside from that, I enjoyed the film. It was a lot better than I anticipated. Not that that's saying anything against the film, because honestly, I mean, aside from like little minor critiques, I really like this film. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good one to get stoned to and still have an enjoyable hour and 20 minutes or whatever it is. And yeah, I'm, I have a good time. You can tune out a little bit because, you know, it's familiar, but it's still fun. Um, Next week. Hmm. I know you've mentioned something. Should we do it? I'm down. Like I, you don't have to ask me twice, really. I'm do you, totally down. Do you want to? Do you want to tell the people? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> this little film. We are returning to Japan. This film is a part of a subgenre we haven't quite necessarily explored. I think we've tinkered with. You can make an argument that we have with Tetsuo, perhaps mm-hmm. stuff like that. But this one's unique to the entry. It is a part of the Unearth Collection. And is a film, interesting title, because it's called 964 Pinocchio. So it's a cyberpunk Japanese film. I want to say like late 80s, is it? Early Some, 90s, something uh, like that? Early 90s. I think it was released in England as another name that's actually super fucking dope. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah, I'm very familiar. I just haven't seen it in a very long time. 964 Pinocchio was also released as Screams of Blasphemy in the UK. Screams of Blasphemy. Oh, man. I remember somewhat what this film's about. Like, it's starting to jog my memory a little bit, but yeah. I've never seen it, but I know a little bit what it's about, and I think we're in for a fucking wild ride. Well, I think anytime we explore Japan and films of this nature, given the title, too, I think it's going to be a good time. So that's next time. I will, like, warn you guys, this is an extreme flick. Yeah. I haven't seen it, and I'm going to tell you, like, this isn't normal shit. So, I'm not going to reveal anything, per se, but this is an effed up movie. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say for those who know. And those who don't, you need to find out. And we're going to find I'm going to find out. I haven't seen it. I'm going to find out. I've never seen even a single clip of it, but I do actually know the broad story strokes of what all happens. Yeah, I'm excited to explore once again Unearth, but this particular film and this particular subgenre. That's next time. For this time, I'm Tyler. <laughs> I'm Danny. Fried Squirms out. out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, The easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. You can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. Not going to give you all those ads. So 
with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.